Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 74 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardRoom.com, Simply sign up for your account using one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. That's all you need to do. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. Just search OneOuter Podcast. If you want to send questions in for a future show to Alex, then email questions at OneOuter.com. You can tweet them or Facebook them to me as well, but obviously email, you can empty your heart and I can read it to Alex. Alex, you're back from PCA. This is the first time we've spoke, uh, yeah, since you've been back. So how did everything go and what's happening in your life? Uh, everything's good, man. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry, sorry to start with clearing my throat. I thought you'd say, yeah, you'd been like, you picked it up. Like, everything's good, man. I've been on the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Like some blues, like, some old blues traveler. Yeah, like, yeah. like the late, great Lemmy. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, man. No, yeah, uh, everything's good, man. Uh, I feel like this year is going to be a lot better than last year. It's just been, uh, PCA was really good. Just got, got a... Got a lot of time to just kind of like, you know, play poker and sit and think. Like that's really, uh, it, I don't really get to just play poker a lot of the time. And then when I do play poker, a lot of times it's the rest of my day is really full with a lot of other things. And uh-huh. you know, when you go to PCA, it's just this two week block almost of, you know, uh, you're you're in the Bahamas and you just wake up and you play poker and then. Uh, if you don't want to, you know, you go to the water park, you go to, uh, you go to the beach. So yeah, it was a, it was a really good time. I did, did my best to listen to, listen to some good Armin Van Buren, uh, on the beach and, uh, you know, drink coffee and, uh, kind of, kind of like I took my notebook everywhere and just kind of penned a few ideas. And then I, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was good. It was a good, good experience. Poker. I made money there too, which I oh. was pretty hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, How'd you manage that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty well. I won my way into the first two events, the PCA and the LAPT main. So my my total investment there was, I think, between all the satellites, I would guess two thousand, three thousand dollars. And then uh, I played the five k, and uh, I ca- I cashed in that for you know ten thousand six hundred or something like that. So like it ended up being like you know roughly profitable a couple thousand. But I was more proud of that min cash than I've been proud of a tournament in a long time because I, I won one flip when I was all in with like seven big blinds. But otherwise, for the last ten hours of that tournament, I was just twenty thirty big blinds surviving right and I was just timing my rejams on the right people the guys I knew uh, were opening way too wide and uh, 
I, I was I was raising against guys that would always call in their big blind and then always check fold. Uh, I, I got a few check raises through that I probably wouldn't have gotten through if I hadn't studied quite a bit uh, in, in the preceding year. So it was, uh, even though it was just, you know, in, in the last hand was I had nines of, you know, some Latino kid who hadn't missed for, <laughs> you know, the entire tournament at eights. And, you know, the flop comes with an eight and an open-ended straight draw for me, no chance. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I was, I, I didn't even care because I, I was looking around and everybody at my table, uh, and not, not everybody at that table, but like the preceding table, uh, if they have a lot of chips, it's because they had a lot of hands. I, 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 you know, I'd had stuff like I had top two pairs, someone had a runner, runner flush, and stuff like that, and then you know, pair over pair, and and just a lot of stuff like that. And I still made it into the money, and I, I, I felt like Brad Gilbert playing tennis. I just, I, I, I felt like a junk man. Like whatever you threw at me, I could like turn it into something, and that's that's kind of what attracted to me. I, uh, about poker at the beginning because there's no real other form of gambling where you can do that kind of stuff. So it's really, uh, it, yeah. it, was, it was a good feeling, you know, and to like, you know, make money like traveling to the Bahamas. It's not, even if it was a very uh, small amount in the grand scheme of things, it's still, you know, that's my fourth year out of seven or something like that, like making money in the Bahamas. And I, I think a lot of people don't have a batting average quite like that. And, uh, you know, a couple of those years were, you know, a hundred thousand, yeah. seven, seventy thousand, or something like that. So yeah, it's a, you know, it's good. It's a, it was a good time, and uh, did some bluff. Uh, oh, yeah, also like just did some bluffs I would have never done before, which was, and I, I wasn't even that worried. Like as the guy was in the tank, you know, and I jammed the river. Like in the old days, I would just be terrified. The, the, now it's just well, you know, I've done the math. I've done the card runner's EV calc. I've done the, mm -hmm. I've looked at your Flopzilla distribution. I know this bet needs to work this amount of the time. And uh, I know in all likelihood, you're not going to find that. Uh, I, if you do, you know, I'm proud of you. Like I, I, ha I hold no, that's another thing. Like I don't, I feel much more like contented with my life. So like if someone beats me at poker, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't fly off the handle because I take that as some uh, challenge to myself. It, it's more, it, it's more, you know, like if somebody beats me, they beat me. That that just happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I still see like there's a lot of people who are supposedly professional players and uh, they they still like just they cannot handle it when certain guys beat them. And, I you know, it, 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 that's pretty bizarre because usually the people they're really worried about beating them are the very people who should be beating them quite often. They're very good professionals who – Maybe they're just a little smarmy or something you don't really care for, but it, it's going to happen. And uh, also, by the way, I am completely satisfied with the state of poker. I do not believe poker is getting tougher. I, I don't care what anyone says. Uh, I, it's funny. It's funny. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that. go it's ahead. Funny, go ahead. It's funny you said that because my next question was actually going to be. Rather than like, oh, you know, because we've touched on a few years, it seems like it comes around. The, I remember last year we were talking about you being in the Bahamas and the PCA, and it's crazy that that year's just gone to me. I can remember still talking about it. And um, what I was going to say, my next question was, what was what did you find the sort of overall 
sort of macro state of the poker economy is just now. You know, because the PCA is one of these events that, you know, stars on all the qualifiers. You've got a lot of the pros going there. And just to see what the sort of standard of play at this in this day and age, 2016, and, you know, the sort of health of the game and stuff, like at an event like that, you know, one of the events that a lot of people always want to go to. Uh, I, I, I think we need to do something to get more players into the game. But I, I also, I'm not worried about the saturation point because to me, just based on, you know, it's a very small sample, but based on the level of play I've seen this year and the year before and the year before, I'm not seeing any great strides. I see a lot of, I, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff like this. Like I, I'm watching the table and there's a quote unquote, like huge player that, uh, you know, is not going to be named. He, he opens... Uh, my 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 uh, student who hasn't touched a chip in two hours, three bets. He typically plays like twelve dollar tournaments, and mm-hmm. he's playing like a five day. So he's a you know he's he's kind of keeping it close to the vest, and uh, you know it, the initial guy jams like forty five big blinds with Ace Five offsuit, and you know all the pros around him are like, yeah man, sometimes you just gotta rip it. Like they're they're just it, it, to me that is like that that is like suicide yeah it's just, yeah it's really and there's lots of like at my table there was a lot there was a guy to my left who just never played a pot and you know he opens and it's just like a competition between everybody to see who can re-raise him and I yeah. I, I you know and sure enough the guy turns up with kings and uh, there's just a lot of you know there's a lot of guys. Uh, it, it, there's it, 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 something that occurred to me while I was like watching the festivities was, you know, there's what poker is and then there's what you want poker to be. And they're all playing like it's the second. And yeah. but they, they all think that they're going to be this like Gus Hansen 2003 run over the table. And like, I'm sorry, those days are gone like that. It, you're not going to be able to do that because everybody's learned how to three bad people have learned how to play poker. So, you know, I, I'm having a good time at my table because I'm, you know, I'm listening to my uh, Tim Ferriss podcast while he quotes Seneca 13 times. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, I, I have my like little notepad for my uh, notes while I'm listening to these podcasts. But for the most part, I'm just folding a lot of the day. Right. And that I seem to get chips in every tournament playing this style just because everybody's so bananas when you uh, do come in and play and. Uh, it's really weird. It's a, uh, I, I don't know why this is supposed to be tough poker. Yeah, if you, you know, but like back in the day, I used to open like, I, I would open like 9-7 suited from pretty much any position just because back then people, everybody would fold to me or, you know, like uh, one guy would call and he'd play pretty timidly. I can't do that anymore because people have started three betting and stuff like that, right? So my, my natural adjustment is to just fold the 9-7 suited. Their adjustment is to raise 5-3 suited, and if the guy 3-bets them, to 4-bet them. And then, yeah. you know, it, it, it's uh, I, I don't really think the game is getting tougher. I think if you go to PokerDope.com, you can, uh, you, you can do distributions of players. Like uh, one that I did was guy has a 20% ROI, and he enters the Sunday Million, right? He plays every uh, he plays every Sunday for ten years, right? And I, I was just getting like a decent. Uh, I, I just wanted like a decent player, like not a great player, right? And uh, 
So I found out that guy doesn't make money, even though he's a plus EV player 57% of the time. Over 10 years, he does not make money on that tournament, right? And then, yeah. you know, there's like one out of 100 uh, where the guy made like $323,000, right? <laughs> and then there, there's uh, – and what I think what you're seeing in poker right now is uh, you're seeing the survivors. You've seen the guys who have run at the end of that expectation. And while that lifespan should be about three years, it gets artificially lengthened through a lot of backers. Like a lot of backers will put down money on a guy like that, not realizing he just ran at the tip of that spear. And yeah. uh, in, so it gets artificially lengthened to five or six years when all along this was a guy who had a 20% ROI in one of the biggest tournaments online, and he could have easily had double, triple, quadruple that. But he just mm -hmm. didn't have it. There's a real survivorship bias in poker. And I, I don't really buy into it because I, I've done so many of the calculations I've done so many of the equity models, and I, I, I can just sit there while I'm playing. I go, that's bad. Uh, you're losing money. You can't yeah. do that. Like, I'm sorry. You know, it, it really helps because, you know, sometimes guys will, like, beat me, and they'll look at me like, ha, 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 I beat you. And I, yeah, all I'm thinking of is I, all I can do is I can see the big negative red text number next to their play if I had uh -huh. run that play. You know what I mean? It's like, well okay, those chips got to be going to someone. And since I was the only person in the hand, I assume it was myself. So, yeah. you know, I'm not really going to sit here and berate you. I'm not going to get upset about it. You know, if that's how you want to play, that's how you want to play, but that's fine. But uh, uh, don't sit here and tell me the game is getting tougher. Don't tell me you're a professional player when you're not doing the work. Like a lot of, uh, it, it occurred to me, I was reading a book called uh, Trust Me, I'm Lying. And, uh, it was it, it it was about uh, it was just about how pretty much like blogs have changed everything when it comes to when it comes to news reporting and like what happens is there's one tweet and one news uh, one blog will like report it as fact you know they call uh -huh. call it iterative reporting and uh, I'm going somewhere with this excuse me it's a bit of a, a bit of a digression but. There's a, <clears throat> they call it iterative, uh, you know, like progressive reporting. And what they do is like, okay, there's a tweet and one blog picks it up. And then, you know, Perez Hilton needs to blog like 24 times. It, or Well, every individual blogger for every blog, uh, any online news site has to come up with like 20, uh, 12 to 20 stories a day. So, you know, if there is no news, they must create news. So, they will see that and they will see that one news story and they'll link to that as if it were a source. And then everybody, 30, 40 uh, sites are all linking to the same source, which started with a tweet. And then CNN sees all of these sites reporting it and then CNN reports it. Yeah. And then that is really bizarre, right? But I, but I was reading this and I was like, my first thought was like poker players. Poker players have this one guy has done really well at poker and he says something as fact and everybody just copies it. Right. And they, they all copy it and they have no idea whether it's true or not. So like one, one really good one right now is like back in the day, it used to be a really good play to like just flat three bets. Uh, you, you would raise the guy would three bet you thinking you had to jam or fold. You flat it. And he went, what? And then he, yeah. he thought you had aces or something. He played very timidly post-flop. 
around 2013, 2012, that place stopped working. You will still see people doing that. Four years, an election cycle, you will still see people trying to do that play when every algorithm you could run will find that's a negative EV play. But they still do it because they're still copying one guy who did it who won, you know, some live event. And for, yeah. for all the – to put a bow on this, it's amazing to me, like, how many times poker players go, I'm a scientist. You know what I mean? Like, I love science. Like, anytime – if I ever – if I ever profess my love for Jesus Christ, they always go, look, I believe in the science and the science, you know, it's like, uh, if I ever, ever just say, thank God or something, somebody really wants to, there, there's always somebody that, you know, when people always talk about, like, I hate it when people force their beliefs on me. That is 95% atheist to me now. It's like, I I don't, I, I, I just really, I'm sure if I was living in the Bible belt, it would be different, but it's just not. And it's, uh, in the poker world, it's just like I have to li- listen to these. Like, look, I believe in the science, right? It's like, well, you sure don't play poker like you believe in science because a scientist sets up separate experiments and uh, comes to their own conclusion. Scientists, something I really respect about scientists is they never just take anybody at their word. They say, show me the evidence. And after they've seen the evidence, they still don't believe it. They go, I have to replicate this. I have to repeat this. I have to find yeah. out if this works in my own sphere and just to make sure that the data wasn't being manipulated. And after they do it, they do it again. That's all I seek to do in poker. And I think that's really given me an edge over a lot of people. And I think it's given my students quite a bit of an edge. And you're not seeing poker players do this. They, to this day, like I, I, 98% of my students, oh yeah, I know what card runner's EV is. No, I've never tried to use it. You know, uh, Flopzilla, or e- even like guys who, it's interesting, I was working for a stable and it's like, they were forced to see like, like Flopzilla and Cardrunner's EV and it's still most of them didn't use it. And then I worked with one Russian stable last year where like every day they had a lesson in Cardrunner's EV and Flopzilla and they had homework assignments where they had to bring in hands that they wanted to analyze. That group was a lot better than a lot of other groups and a lot of those guys have been playing for a year, year and a half, two years. And people want to do this thing where it's like, well, I've been playing for seven years. I, 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 you know, I got the experience. And it's like, well, yeah, but if this guy can set up a equity model and he can play the same hand a million times, you know, with all of the diagnostics known to man, he's going to beat you because he's going to be sitting there playing a billion hands after he runs this after a while. And you're, you're going to be running your 800,000 hands in your head, which is not so good at keeping measurements. And yeah. when when you meet him, you will fail. And yeah, it's uh, so so yeah, so sorry. That's something I've been thinking about quite a bit. So I, I kind of went <laughs> went on a bit well, of a it's jag. We- it's weird because it reminds me of something I I thought, and this was like an epiphany for me with poker players. Like you related the you know the blogging thing and like that. Like a winner says something in an interview, and people start you know using that, and it filters down, and all of a sudden it's a trend, you know, in poker. Or whatever, mm-hmm. and the way I used to see it is, I remember watching this uh, documentary, and it was like on this old school uh, ho- horse betting scam. Uh-oh. And what people would do is they'd set up a premium phone phone line, and it would be a call for today's tips. So you would phone the line, and what it would do is it would tell everyone different horses. Okay. Okay. So say there's ten horses in a race, and you've got like twenty people or whatever. 
um, you tell everyone that you know there's ten horses and there's twenty people, so each person, some people will be getting the same horse, but a few people will will get the winner. Say like two two winners, you know. Mm-hmm. Say out you know, like that. So there's ten horses and you're telling everyone the names. So the people that didn't get the winner are like, ah oh, fuck, I'm not phoning that again. You know that that's right. rubbish, or whatever. But the people that you got the hit with are like, holy shit, like, I phoned this number and it told me the winner. Oh, wow. I went I went and put it on and it won. So they phone back again, right? And then you'll get another, like, 20 people, different people, but some of those people got the first hit. And then maybe the p- first person that got a hit doesn't get a hit the second time. But the second person that got the, the first winner gets, you know, get told the winner again. Remember, the tip line's just giving random horses from a race, okay? Yeah. So over, over a volume of people, by like the ninth race or whatever, someone, some people have filtered down to the ninth, they phoned you for the ninth time, and they're like, I've had eight winners off this guy. This guy's a fucking genius, you know? <laughs> so that's when you can start saying, all right, if you want my premium tip line now, it's like £100 a month or £200 a month uh, or something, you know? Yeah. All, what If you phone the number and you get eight winners out of eight, who is not going to pay the £200 a month, right. you know? Who's not going to do it? Every one of them is going to do it. Right. Right, because oh you think God. this is free money. So the way I thought it is, it's like poker. What the magazines do is we hear of that, like you say, that one winner that's made it through all those flips, which are essentially like, you know, yeah. getting told random horses yeah, in a race. True. And like holding out. And we only hear about the ones that have filtered it right down through all the lot and going, he won the Sunday Million doing that. And like you say, if they go and say, oh, I did this and that, I don't play with a HUD or whatever, then all of a sudden you start hearing people go, well, that guy won the Sunday Million without the HUD. Like, I'm not fucking pl-. You know, yeah, I don't yeah, need a exactly. HUD. And it was just like that. It's like people are fooled by randomness. Like, that's a yeah, bit yeah, fooled yeah. by randomness, you know? And that is what it is. And that was another, like, analogy I thought that, like, really sort of emphasizes what you're saying as well. Yeah, that book is pretty fascinating. And that anecdote you just gave is incredible that's yeah i mean that's what's really interesting about looking at the distributions on like a poker dope or something like that it's a it it, you know you're just going to see like 80 percent of these people do not make anything significant and then of the 20 percent they're winning you know it's a decent amount but it's uh it's not really you know it's kind of negligible over the years and then you know there's just three guys out of a thousand or a hundred or who 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 have just run spectacularly well and and i realize like what i normally couldn't stand about poker players now makes a lot of sense because when you go to these poker tournaments it's really now that it becomes more like professional infested quote-unquote professional you're, it's pretty much a collection of guys that have run way above expectation. And naturally, a few of them think that's because of themselves. You know what I mean? I've never, uh, it, when, I, when I did hold that illusion that like I created all my own wealth, I was very quickly introduced to the randomness of poker and uh-huh. how you need to come up with different financial instruments to curb that. And uh, I, I didn't do it the first time, and it's taken quite a few years to... Uh, really regenerate what I lost, but it, it's really it, it's bizarre. People that just you know they, they there's no real preparation. It's just kind of like show up and let's see, you know. And there's mm-hmm. to this day, like when I see like an article about like this guy is so good at poker, uh, I I feel like a vicious hater. But I I, I just 
you know, I, 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 there's a few guys I watch and I go, oh, yeah, that guy's got something going on. Those are way outnumbered by the number of guys I've played poker with. And I'm like, yeah, he's really good at hitting cards. Like, that's a, it, it becomes a joke, but it's like, well, you know, if a guy's just on that tear, he's on that tear, you know. And it, it, unfortunately, it does wrap up at some point. And it, it, it's pretty bizarre the people I've had ask me for backing or ask me for money, especially when I was more flush uh, back maybe like uh, six, seven years ago, or more publicly flush, I guess. And uh, they, uh, like, the number of people, I mean, uh, <laughs> like, they've been on high-stakes poker. They need money. You know, it's mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just like, huh? Like, <laughs> you know, what? Like, that, that doesn't make sense. And you just realize the ride ended at some point, you know? And then... Well, it's the reality of it. Yeah. It? Yeah, it's exactly. It's the reality. I mean, uh, the name of the game is taking as much money as you possibly can off the table. Uh, yeah. that, that's pretty much it. And yeah, I think we put a bow on that. I guess we should yeah. get into some questions. Yeah. And, uh, the first question is from someone called Slim. All right. What's he good, said, Slim? You can call me, you can call me Slim. Or not. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. He's got, um, he sent in a big, huge email, um, <laughs> which I was going to like dissect for him and try and read it. But then he kindly emailed me back about, 20 minutes later off his own back saying, uh, thanks Barry, to save time I think I can really simplify and get to the root of my question here. So I'm going to read from here because this is what he thinks will simplify it for himself and get to the root of his question. So basically what I'm trying to get at asking is how to know when you can get ahead and risk your, in, uh, when you can go ahead and risk your entire chip stack by basically calling an all-in when you have a mid to large stack in beginning or middle stages, still quite away from the money of a tournament. I think flipping for your stack in these situations is probably a bad idea. What if you know you are ahead? Even if you think your odds of winning the hand are 60%, it seems to be a bit questionable to make a call, especially when the stacks are on the larger side. Is there any formulaic way to know what to do here? What things to consider in making this call? Uh, Yeah, that's a really good question, Sam. Uh, it's something that I really like to, well, something that really clarified things for me is, uh, doing some of the analysis, just, you know, checking out the ICM, uh, in, in regards to also the chip EV, how much they differ, differentiate, uh, how much they're different. And, uh, essentially chip EV is, uh, you know, if every chip is worth the same, uh, what play you should do. And ICM tries to, it stands for independent chip modeling. It tries to attribute the particular uh, parameters of the tournament onto each chip and decide how much your chips are worth. What I've found a lot of times at the beginning of tournaments, mid stages of tournaments, or just pretty much any time you're really a ways away uh, from the payout jump, is the ICM and the chip EV are very, pretty much identical. It's much like a cash game. Uh, there are, you know, there are some things where uh, your chips do become precious the more the tournament goes on. Uh, as, you're ch- as you get shorter, the chips become more precious. Uh, however, the, also, if you uh, get, get a very large stack, uh, the chips aren't nearly worth as much. And this is where uh, I, I think, like, Phil Hallmuth takes another layer onto this, which is, a prediction model. 
on top of it, which is how much are my chips worth right here, right now at this table, uh, given these players. And uh, mm-hmm. if it's quite a bit, uh, just give it what he thinks, you know, if his table's laid in the breaking order, he's got nine hours to execute. Uh, he's likely not going to put a lot of his chips down. I, I think justifiably. I, I think there's a reason Phil Hamute has 13 bracelets and Phil Ivey has none and hold them. Uh, so uh, it, it, and uh, I think it's just he's, uh, and also this is something I really respect about Daniel Negreanu. Uh, Daniel Negreanu, when I watch him like work, I just, you, you know, by the way, um, you know, I don't really know Negreanu as a person. People always think this means, like, I, I'm, like, a great fan of him as a person. It's, like, that's really separate, you know. Like, John Nash, I think, was, like, an anti-Semite, right? But it's, you'd be a pretty dumb mathematician. Uh, or he, he was, he, he had, you know, not to his, he had schizophrenia or whatever it was, right? And yeah. he they were worried about giving him awards because he might, like, urinate on the stage, uh, while he did it, and it's like, but it, you you would ignore Nash at your own peril, and I don't really know about Negreanu in his personal life, and it, it doesn't really ma- matter to me. I don't really have time to pursue investigating that, but uh, it, like, if you watch him, like the way he thinks about, like, well, if I call here, what is that going to do to me in the tournament? And I notice he's always setting himself up really well which you can't say about a lot of, like, really good cash game players that come into poker. Uh, they really just kind of, you know... So this is why I really like your question, Slim, is it, you're, you're recognizing this. You're recognizing, I, I, if I go doggy dog, you know, if I'm an attack dog out there and it's just, like, see equity, get equity, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush myself a lot of the time, right? But what I'm going to say is uh, usually when we're starting in poker... Are, we're kind of in the middle stages. We don't really have like a huge edge on anyone. So it tends to be a little better to, if you see equity, just kind of run with it. Uh, now that doesn't mean like, okay, you have queens and the guy tables ace king and he wants to go for all the chips. If you think you can grind people out, you might have a couple percent edge there. I'm, I'm still folding. And I think you should too. And I think this is why you see a lot of business people do well in no limit hold him like it, it seems like every time there's a final table there's like three guys it's like he owns a chinese restaurant and yeah. uh, you know <laughs> what i mean and there was uh it, 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 it there's a reason those guys do well it's because they're used to managing risks right now if i could have any criticism of them it's usually that they manage them a little too harshly uh so i it's really hard to describe the sweet spot but generally if you think you're a ways ahead right we're 10, 20, 25% ahead of your opponent, I think it's pretty safe to call off. I, I don't think there's an ICM checker that would, wouldn't say that's a good idea. I don't, I don't think there's – I'm pretty sure, like, he, as much as Phil Hamuth would, like, berate himself for calling there, I'm pretty sure he would call, right? But if it's, you know, if it's just a couple, you feel like I'm just barely ahead here, go ahead and fold. I do that all the time. I, uh, I, I think – I, I was really looking over my records for the last year, and I noticed, like, I really, av- after, I, after I busted at the million final table, that was very devastating uh, to me. I just, you know, I kind of, like, locked myself in my office. I always do this. Like, I really quietly stay in my office <laughs> for a long time. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of like my wife's hint. It didn't go that well. And then I, I was just kind of going over my hands, going over my hands, going over my hands. And, and I... I, I kind of got elated 
because I found out I was thinking, you know, maybe I should fold a little more here, a little more there, a little more there. But I was thinking like, nah, it still works out most of the time, right? But I looked into my records and I found the profitable was actually so negligible. It was just increasing my variance, right? And I replayed that tournament. I was like, you know, that really did up, up the variance right there, right? And uh, I, I think I probably could have come in with, you know, uh, I, I probably could come into more final tables these days. Because what I also found out is people are, the, the whole monologue we had at the beginning of uh, this episode was just about how people are just dying to execute the quote-unquote sexy plays. You know, they're mm -hmm. really trying to three-bet, they're really trying to go after you. Uh, so if you just wait for a hand these days, I think you're more likely to get action uh, than ever, you, you know? So it's, uh, I, I think you can lay off a few of these hands. I think the... I think the way to get yourself out of these spots, though, is to have more, uh, I think, to have, like, tighter opening ranges. Uh, I, I think, like, not having, like, suited gappers in earlier positions, uh, middle position uh, is a good idea. I, I'd even be wary of opening those from the cutoff these days just because people have gotten uh, very good at flatting and three-betting and stuff like that. Uh, dry aces, I wouldn't really open. Uh, I'd be really, it, it, I really would not open the Broadway cards as much because those used to be worth quite a bit when one guy would flat you. Uh, it, it now, and now these days, you know, button flats you, big blind is going to flat because he's getting five to one. And then uh, you have an easily dominated hand out of position in this very large pot, which it, it could, be, could turn into a real problem real fast. And uh, I, I think, staying, you know, the way to stay out of those situations, it's a very slight adjustment, but just don't open the broadways from earlier positions, mid-position. Don't open the suited one gappers. Uh, don't flat three bets that are like 2.5x the better higher. Uh, like 2x are lower. You, I mean, 2x or 2.2x, 2.3x, something like that. You can, uh, you can flat those a little more easily. Uh, just generally when I've run the equity calcs, I find that tends to be a profitable play. Uh, but once you get it to 2.5x and stuff like that, it becomes very hard to turn a profit. And I think if you avoid those things I just talked about, I, I think a lot of times you're going to be outside of those like couple of percent plus EV spots, and it's going to mm -hmm. keep you out of trouble. And then usually the spots you get into are a little more clear cut. Okay, okay. We hope that's uh, clear for you. And uh, if not, just put your chips in the middle and cross your fingers. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Some people have made a career off that. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and uh, yeah, thank you for sending in all your emails, guys. A lot of, a lot of you guys have been really polite. Like when you write the, it, it, you know, I was kind of expecting a backlash with my autoresponder on the email, just because I needed, you know, to, I uh, the email load was getting crazy. But most of you guys, like when you wrote in like a poker question you would see like just directed to questions that went out and you'd be like, Oh cool. You got a show for this sweet. And as opposed to the, like, you know, there were a couple of people that were like, how dare you like not, not answer me for free. But, uh, that was most of you guys were like hyper polite, really cool. So I, I just want to thank you for that. If you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. I, thanks to, uh, from myself and everyone sending them in as well. I'd say it makes, makes my job much easier I don't have to, <laughs> yeah. think, to think of things to say to Alex. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Barry yeah. Chalmers. Yeah. Oh, wait. Damn it. <laughs> like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> okay, this one is from Chris Perkins. And it is, hey, guys, the past weekend I won an online satellite 
to a €2,160 buy-in CAPT. It is a brag email, I think. Yeah, that's, that's good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, all, I'm uh, all for brags. So, <laughs> two, two euro buy-in CAPT event in Seafeld, uh, Austria. I have a little experience live and understand on a basic level the range differences between live and online poker players. But playing on strictly US-facing sites, I don't see these Austria or German players at the tables often. From what I understand, German players are pretty good. Can you talk about some of the things to look for with these players? This will be my first time in Europe, so I'm a bit worried about the language barrier also. So any insight you can give me would be appreciated. Thanks, Chris. Um, if you're white, Austrian people are very nice to you, in my experience. Uh, they're... <laughs> <laughs> All right, watch what you say, Alex. I don't want to do much editing on this one. <laughs> okay, uh, it's, uh, that's, I'm joking. Uh, well... I, I am white, and they've always been nice to me. That's been my personal experience. But yeah, anyway, there. No, no. There's a. Uh, pretty much everybody. This is one of the most like highly educated countries in the world, Austria and Germany and around there. And they're, uh, in my experience, those people are very kind. Uh, don't don't worry about the language barrier. It, you know, you don't. You know, it would be a good idea is to study the phrases. Uh, just study the phrases like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I don't speak." Uh, German or anything like that and if you can do that uh, like most people will think you're like really cool in Europe from what I've I, I just learned like two phrases in French and I heard they were like the toughest uh, people to like make smile and then you know if you just really authentically like tried to do the accent and stuff people like kind of just laugh with you <laughs> and they're like okay all right bro like and then they're pretty nice right but, like, if you just go in there, like, hollering in English at people, that's usually when people get offended, you know what I mean? Or, like, demanding that they understand your specific dialect. And if you could speak, like, just a little, you know, try to speak as crispy, crisply and slowly as you can without being offensive. But, like, I have, you know, just pretend you're a United Nations translator. And then it, it generally pretty much anybody in most of Western Europe will be able to understand you. I, yeah. And then, uh, uh, and, you know, just be nice. Just, you know, and uh, something you have to realize there is, uh, I, I didn't understand this, slow rolling in uh, a lot of parts of Europe is not considered offensive. It's considered, like, funny and part of the game. Uh, if they do that to you, that doesn't mean they're, like, trying to personally offend you. That's, like... That, that that doesn't mean anything essentially. So you, you shouldn't get offended by that. Like uh, I, I don't know. Like is bloody a curse word in uh, where where you guys are from uh, in Scotland? Uh, like people say it. Like, nah, it's not. It's not a big deal. It's, it's a, it, like kids deal. are not allowed to say it, right? Yeah, I, I don't think they'd get to say it at school. Yeah, probably. they say like ruddy or something like that. Well, it's like it's <laughs> like if we say bloody something in America, like we're just being. It's funny to us because it reminds us of Harry Potter or whatever, right? Like it means nothing in the United yeah. States. But like, yeah, if I if I yell bloody something around a bunch of kids in Britain, I'm I'm not expecting the same reaction. And it's it's kind of the same thing with slow rolling. So that, that's about it. Um, did you, uh, unfortunately, you have satellited into a part of the world where I think the best poker players in the world are. But. Uh, they're, like I have a lot of respect uh, for how the Germans approach the game. I really respect their modesty. Uh, Germans and Austrians as well. There's a lot of Germans there just because Austria has more uh, forgiving tax laws. 
so you're going to be playing with a lot of them. But uh, they, I, they have a good, healthy dose of shame buried. I like that. You know, real yeah. healthy. But I mean, I, it sounds like a joke. But look at how well Germany and Japan have done. You know, and it's like, I, I, I I'm not. I'm just kidding, of course. Like nobody blames anybody from this era from anything that happened before. But there's a healthy sense of like, hey, you know, we're we we have, we can make mistakes. We've done it before. Let's just try to work our butts off, right, and see what happens. And it's like, I think if there's one thing that's dri- driven me nuts is we have none of that in America. It's just like we're just the best, right? And then it's just like, okay, settle down there, Donald Trump. Like, we relax, right? You know, fix that comb over, and maybe we'll give you the presidency. But like, it's a, yeah. uh, it, 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 they're they're very like deliberate and they're very methodical the other good thing is it's a very wide spectrum i think it was something like germany was like the third biggest loser online according to one metric a few years back there's a it's a very boisterous economy germany and uh austria and there's a lot of money floating around there so what you got to do is you got to get in there and you got to figure out who's an online pro first and you got to figure out who's having fun second right so now, since you don't speak a lot, a lot of the language, you're going to have to go off of nonverbal cues, okay? So uh, a lot of that's going to be how they dress. A lot of the pros, a lot of the German pros are just as schlubby as the American pros, right? They show up in the hoodies and stuff like that. Uh, generally, you're not going to see a business guy doing that. They, they do pride themselves on dressing a little better in that part of the world than... Uh, uh, us in North America. So uh, if you do see a guy that's a little schlubby, that's, uh, that's usually a poker pro. Uh, if you see a guy obviously handling himself extremely well, uh, that tends to be one of the better like cash game players. Uh, most of these people are pretty nice, though. If you just get to talking with them, they'll kind of tell you where they're from and what they do. But you, you just say, what do you do for a living? And if people say, like, well, uh, that means poker. Right. And then uh, if they really confidently say poker, a lot of times that's like a newer pro. That's a guy who's still really proud of it. Like the more aged pro doesn't really want you to know he's a poker player because he thinks that might, uh, you know, he'll, he'll usually go like, oh, crap, you caught me. Right. And then uh, there, there's a uh, they, they the newer pros are, you know, they're, they're more likely to adhere to the common wisdom of the day. Uh, whereas, you know, the more seasons pros, it's pretty impossible to explain. So just stay away from them. And if anybody seems to be, you know, if you see a guy drinking a beer at one in the afternoon, that guy's probably not a professional. Uh, if you see a guy, uh, you know, just very, you know, playing a lot of pots, a lot of the same stuff, that guy's probably not a pro. So focus on those guys, play with those guys, be polite with everybody somebody's going to do something to offend you at some point, right? That is that they usually don't mean it. Do not ascribe to maliciousness what could easily be explained by incompetence. Uh, they, in, it's not even really incompetence in this case. It's they just don't know your culture. They don't, you know, there's certain things that it don't, just don't cross cultural barriers. One that was surprising to me in Korea I was like, uh, this is my best example of like a cultural shock. I was, uh, I was running one day and a guy, you know, he took, he took a corner too fast and he nearly ran me over. 
And I like dove out of the way and got up and I gave him, you know, the look like, what the hell, buddy? Like, mm-hmm. and he, uh, you know, I was waiting for my moment at the crosswalk and he was smiling. Right. And, you know, I, I you know, I went up and I was like, you know, I thought he did it on purpose. I, you know, I said some words I don't really care to repeat here. And, uh, you know, and the guy kind of like drove off. And then anyway, I repeated this story to a Korean friend later. And he was like, he was like, you realize Korean people smile when they're embarrassed. Like when they're really embarrassed, they smile. That's just something we do in our culture. He was showing you he was really sorry, and you went up and threatened to clock him, thus <laughs> confirming every American stereotype they must have, right? And then uh, it, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and there's like a lot of stuff like that that doesn't, you know, if somebody, if anybody ever says anything that seems kind of off kilter or something, just realize they're, you, most people do not mean anything by it. And uh, yeah, just, you know, have fun. Uh, and, and really pay attention to the action. I, I really find, uh, you know, the poker, uh, the way people play poker will really tell you a whole lot more uh, than anything, really. Uh, it, these days, it's a little more... Well, and the other thing is, like, uh, that part of the world speaks English pretty fluently, so they have a lot of resources they could pull from. Some of them uh, really pull from the well, of Germans and really, uh, you know, they, they, they really sign on to that type of poker play. Some of them are, you know, they really came into their own back when it was mostly Americans making training videos. So they play more like that. If you, they, this is much different than like an insular uh, poker economy, such as like France, like France has some real peculiarities. A lot of markets do not have just because those, uh, players, uh, it, English isn't as widely spoken, so it, it, they just don't pull from as many resources, so it tends to come from the same resources. If you want to get an idea of if they think, this isn't going to work for like German, but this is, if you're ever going to a, like a random, like let's say you're going to Bulgaria to play a poker tournament. I don't even know if they have poker tournaments, right? Well, Bulgarian is a very small country. There's probably only one forum in Bulgaria, right? And everybody's on there. You can just Google translate the website and just read it for 45 minutes before you go out there. And you can see what's the trend these days. Look at what their big players are doing, what their big players are saying. And chances are you're going to see that in a lot of different players. Uh, But yeah, like if you're, uh, that's just advice for anybody going to any country. I don't think that's going to work as much. Uh, A lot of the Germans do participate on English forums. There's quite a few German forums. So yeah, uh, Anyway, uh, good luck to you, man. Have a good time out there. Just have a good time. Try to go there a couple days early and see the city, get a, get a, acclimated. It's really fun to see a city while you're, like, jet-lagged, as I found out, like, just walking around, like, you know, drinking ener- uh, espresso shots and trying to see the sights. Uh, I, I kind of get, like, a thrill out of, even when I'm sleep-deprived, I do not get a thrill out of showing up at the poker table jet-lagged. That that's not fun. But yeah, give yourself a couple of days to see the cities, uh, you know, get acclimated, try to get on the right schedule and then play the tournament. Yeah, just, I was going to add, just check maybe if there's any weird local uh, rules in the casino or something to do with like raising or calling that you're not familiar with. No check raising allowed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There are, there there is sometimes the odd little thing that's different and, you know, it might make a difference in a hand your player. So just 
check that bit. Yeah, it's westernised then. You know, it's all... They'll be, the dealers will probably, without being a friend, speak better English than you or me. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. uh, they're very educated. It's good, you know, standard of living in these countries, both Germany and Austria. So, yeah, I don't think you've got anything to worry about. I think you'll manage fine. And message us and let us know after you've played the event. Let us know how you've done, Chris. And uh, good luck, yeah. Um, okay, Alex, we'll cut this podcast now. If you can tell us how people uh, can get in touch with you for um, etiquette lessons when traveling <laughs> abroad <laughs> and uh, how to use a knife and fork, I'm um, so how they can get one on one coaching and more in depth uh, analysis with yourself and all your good programs and the fun stuff you got going on. Well, you don't want to stack the plates because that's actually rude to the servers because that could get food on the... Oh, wait, sorry, sorry, wrong podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you guys want to reach me uh, about private lessons, write me at assassinatorcoaching at gmail.com. My autoresponder will get back to you with every detail about everything you could possibly imagine. If I read your email and see it wasn't answered by that, I'll, I'll respond it really, uh, to it really quickly. Uh, you know, so you, you just send the normal email and I will answer it in some fashion or another. It just so happens most people, 90% of people have the same questions. So my autoresponder gets to them. If you have questions, write us at uh, questions at oneouter.com. Uh, it, it just about like poker stuff. Sorry, Barry. I know you normally say that, but <laughs> there's a, uh, uh, yeah, write, write us there. If you guys got any poker questions, that's, that's kind of the best way for you guys to ask me questions and not have to pay for it is, you know, we'll just, uh, uh, we'll just answer it for everybody. That way, that way everybody gets covered. And uh, follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash The Assassinato. And you can just favorite that channel. It doesn't cost you anything. And that's essentially, I try to do a show as many nights as I can where I just kind of get on the mic and I play a couple tournaments. And, you know, we, we just talk poker and life and what's going on. Uh, all the stuff that's interesting to me, books, movies, all that, all the stuff that we probably shouldn't always cram into one outer, you know, the fun stuff that uh, <laughs> me and Barry like to talk about. I should have you on that stream one of these days, Barry, just as a treat to everybody. And we can, we can talk horror movies for two and a half hours <laughs> as a, we don't get to do that normally, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a fun thing. And uh, you, you guys can check out that. It doesn't cost anything. If you want to see past episodes, you can subscribe for $5 and you can get it there. And then uh, also be sure to sign up for my newsletter. Uh, if you go to PokerHeadRush.com, uh, there's a sign-up code right to the right. Uh, I mean, just a sign-up box. You just put your email in there and then boom, you're done. Uh, I think you have to actually, you have to confirm in your email that you actually wanted that. And then, uh, yeah, you just, every Thursday, I'm, I'm committed to sending you guys a strategy article of some type. Sometimes it'll be something from the coffers. It'll be like, like last week while I was gone in PCA, it was an article that like barely ran uh, online. Like it was up for a day, gone for a minute. And I was like, Hey, that was a pretty good article. I want you guys to see it, you know? And then uh, there was also, <laughs> there was an article all in magazine had for 75 days and did not publish. And I was like, well, I guess they're never going to publish. Then I sent out the email and it was published the next day. I was like, whoops. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and also, you know, I write strategy articles on like America's card room and blog and stuff like that. So essentially what this newsletter is, is I just bring together all the free stuff I'm doing. Right. So there'll be like, there, there will be all the 
all the links to all the free articles and there will be a new free article and then, and then if we got any deals going on, I'll let you know about that. And it's a, it's a good time. Uh, favorite pokerheadrush.com. That's my, that's my blog for all this stuff. I can't fit in a newsletter. So there's, you know, like lifestyle blogs, there's uh, trip reports, there's battle rap videos, there's all that, all that good stuff. All, all the, uh, there's also a lot of strategy articles that run on there too. And, uh, yeah, uh, be sure to sign up for America's Card Room. If you guys sign up for America's Card Room, I'll send you a webinar as a personal thank you from myself. And, uh, you know, just sign up through the link below. You don't have to do any sign-up co uh, sign code or anything. Uh, just We tried to make it as easy as possible so there wasn't a sign-up code. Just sign up through there. You'll get 27% rate back on one of my favorite sites. Actually, that's the only site I play on on a lot of these weekdays just because it's so soft and it works well with my schedule. I just love that site. And you guys can play with me and get rake back and get training. And uh, all you got to do, free training, all you got to do is write me at assassinatecoaching at gmail.com. Say, hey, I signed up. Here's my sign-in name. Here's my screen name. Here's my email address. And tell me which one you want. That's a check raise fool. Why Pisag you can get one of these. That's a check raise fool. Why Pisagno is right. Uh, you flat too much are dissecting the dog bit. You, uh, yep. And just let me know which one you want. I'll be sure to send it on to you. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, also be sure to sign up for cardrunners.com. Use promo code free month, all capital letters to get two months access to 2000 plus videos for just $30, only $30 a month after that. I have a huge series coming out on there. So, you know, if you really like, like the poker analysis here, if you want to see me show you how to use Cardrunners EV, Flopzilla, all that stuff, uh, you, you can really see what it's like in the lab and see if you can uh, recreate my process and make your own money at high stakes tournaments, uh, which I think a lot of you can do because I'm no great talent. Uh, you just go ahead and uh, sign up for Cardrunners. It's 15 bucks. I mean, it's like 30 bucks is I think what you spend on a pizza and a two liter and that gets you two months access to an amazing site. So do it. Dang it. And uh, I think that is about it. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Sorry, sorry for all the plugs. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. The plugs are good. Um, as Alex mentioned, install my thunder. Uh, get your <laughs> questions in. Questions in for Alex to questions at oneouter.com. Uh, we'll get them read out on the next show. And until then, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed it. Cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.